In you truly is gladness, Lord Jesus. Thank you for giving us joy to fill our hearts and sustain our lives. In Jesus' name, my, my dear friends, uh, love yourself. Are you kidding me? Are you taking notes, preparing to file charges of false doctrine against me, sending me into the district office? Wondering if I finally lost a couple of the screws holding the hinges of my brain together? What? Love yourself? I, I, uh, in fact, I had to work up my nerve a little bit to get, stick my face out here and talk to you about this because you're not supposed to, as you know, died in the wool Lutherans, you're not supposed to talk like that, right? Love yourself? What? In fact, aren't you used to getting scoldings from me to stop being proud and arrogant and to humble up? I'll freely admit, I and my tribe, uh, my pastor tribe, are partly responsible for the fact that this sounds absurd in and of itself. Love yourself? What? See, one of our, our jobs is to kind of like bust you down so that you're aware of how much you need Jesus. That's like my number one job. We need Jesus. So how do you do that? Well, it's by making you despair of yourself and feel like a sinful fool that you are, which, of course, I am too. I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but we kind of, I think, kind of overdo it. And here's one of the reasons, I think, why we overdo it. We forget how much help we have in, in crushing down your arrogance and pride. The Bible does say that pride goes before a fall. Yes, it sure does. God said, the Bible says, do not be overly full of yourself. Do not think of yourself too highly. Totally the truth. But by now, if you've been with me, uh, traveling with me for any length of time, you've heard me talk about paradoxes, right? You know what a paradox is, right? It's when you hug two ideas that seem to contradict one another. Martin Luther is my hero in that because he was better at that than anybody and the church that bears his name. We kind of carry that on. Luther said once that we, all of us, we are... Simul justus et peccator, he said in Latin. Simultaneously, we are sinners and saints at the same time. Your brain may say that's ridiculous, but in fact, let your heart dwell on it and don't argue with it. God gives it to you to embrace, not to understand. I am a sinner and a saint. And we need to, to grasp both. See, here's, here's one of our failings as pastors. You need to be told the gospel. You aren't born with a lick of that knowledge in your brain. It is outside of you. It must be revealed to you and brought in. You're born without that software, without that data. It must be revealed to you and given to you. But you know the bad news without ever having cracked the Bible. It's because everybody's got a conscience. Every human being has a conscience. In fact, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that God so powerfully built consciences into people. He even, it's my opinion, built it into the animal kingdom. Our, uh, the dog we had in my parents' house when I was a teenager was a, really a very good dog, but once in a while there would be a boo-boo. And... <laughs> The dog would slink around the house. The minute we saw her, we knew uh, that we had a cleanup job coming because she would slink around the house 
looking like this. The dog had a guilty conscience because she had a whoops. Even dogs have consciences. I'm convinced of it. Isn't that crazy? Does your dog have a conscience? I hope so. Do you have a conscience? So you see, that conscience already is giving you guilty feelings. So you're halfway there. I don't have to beat on you so hard for some humility of spirit. Where you really could use some help is being lifted up from the wagon ruts of being run over by life. That's where you could use some help. I'm not as worried that you're going to get too arrogant in life. Life just is a soul crusher, isn't it? I worry much more that you're going to be crushed down. That you're going to hate your life. That you will see the defeats so much more quickly and more intensely than the victories. That you will be blind to your blessings, but also painfully aware of everything going wrong. There's reasons for that. As I said, I'm part of the reason. I think pastors overdo their preaching of the law and need to, they can dial that back a little because you're being helped by your own conscience. You're halfway there. But your conscience does not know anything about Jesus. It has to be shared. Uh, so let me do a little more Jesus sharing. I think there's a number of other reasons why uh, why we're so crushed down and end up hating our lives. One of the dynamics I notice now in retrospect a lot more is when I was in college, how ruthlessly and relentlessly we beat on each other. If one of the guys appeared to be excelling in something like was a really good athlete, you had to mock him extra hard to make sure he didn't get a big head. See that? Does that sound familiar to any of you? That... That's like the ultimate sin to have a big head. So you got to smack him down and remind him what a dope and an idiot he is. Really? Is that really important? Why do, why do we act like that? Another thing that has crushed people down is COVID. Psychologists and social workers will tell you that their caseload has doubled in the last 18 months especially the young, who feel we've been screwed. My life is torpedoed before my little boat ever even got out of the harbor. I, my life is wrecked already. It'll never be the same. I'm damaged. Every kid now knows I'm a year older, but I'm not a year smarter. I'm in fifth grade now, and I am not ready for fifth grade math. I'll never catch up. They worry about that. I'm, I'm never going to get a decent job. I'm never going to get ahead. Compounding all of the social stresses on friends who beat you down on COVID that threatens uh, not only your physical health, uh, very little of our national conversation about COVID has been about mental health. It's all been about physical health, about the transmission. Uh, we're, we were taught to be afraid of hugging and can't even sing, you know, because droplets of, of spit may get on somebody else and we're all like typhoid Marys. We've all been had that hammered on us for the last 18 months. What has not been shared is what all of this um, hiding at home and, and all this withdrawal has done to people's mental health. But even worse than that, if you are to or believe the literature, 
is what social media has done to people's personal sense of well-being. Now, you might think, well, man, I, I love Facebook. I love going on. I love reading about my friends. I love, I love finding out what's going on. Do you know what's happened, though? It gets addictive. You end up spending way too much time on it. And especially among the young, and especially on the young females, they look, they don't like their life too much. They're very insecure. Every teenager is insecure. Uh, in fact, I think everybody, period, is insecure. But man, it, as you're transitioning from being a kid to a grown-up, that insecurity is really a struggle, isn't it? To get from age 13 to 19 is, is really a journey, isn't it? And you don't feel very confident about yourself. I hardly have ever met too many teens that are very confident of themselves. They're all insecure. But, but social media makes it a lot worse. Because, of course, your friends only post their trophy moments. They post the great adventures they're having. They post the fun they're having with their friends. They'll take pictures and post them. They'll post the great food they're eating. They'll post it from the trip they're taking. You'll see them in their new clothes. And, you know, if you read that for half an hour, what do you conclude? My so-called life sucks. I hate my life. Nothing good is happening for me. And I, I want to invite you to have a little moment of personal reflection. When is the last time you said to yourself, I really like my life? Has it been a while? Could you say it with a straight face? I like my life. Last week I talked to you with a little personal embarrassment. I haven't said all that often in my prayers. I love you, Lord. And I need to say that more often. Most counselors will tell you that without expressions of love, a marriage is not going to last long very joyfully. You need expressions of affirmation like that. Why would that not be true of me and God? So I'm, as I pledged to you last week, I'm going to start being more intentional, not only saying thank you, Lord, for your blessings, but my response to that is I love you. It makes me love you, Lord. It makes me long to be with you in person. Today, I want to talk with you to, I hope, give you a little bit of permission to look at your life and say, I love my life. In fact, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I like myself. You probably haven't said it too much because that's not the Lutheran way, but maybe it will be starting today. I like, I like my life, and I'm at peace with myself. See why this is so important? Do you have really insecure people around you? Do you? Now, you've got to be careful because that person might be sitting right next to you. But if there's somebody you're, that you've got to live with who's really insecure, like blink your eyes really fast three times. A lot of blinking going on right there. Do you know what that does to relationships when one person is really insecure and hates herself or hates himself, it sucks all the energy out of the relationship because there's, it's never enough. You're always operating from a deficit. You're always assuming things are bad and they're getting worse. The people that I most enjoy being with are the ones that are comfortable in their own skin. 
who know, who are not arrogant. I'm not saying they're braggarts. I don't like hanging around with braggarts either. That's no fun either. But people who just quietly like their life, because then they, they realize I'm blessed and I have something to share. Then that inspires me to see my life as blessed, that I've got something to share. So we have a net positive game rather than a net negative game where, where people just try to get our own so needy and sucking energy out of everybody else because they just think they've been cheated in life and, and want somebody to listen to them complain. Does that sound like a fun way to spend an hour or two with you? Do you like listening to people complain? Heck no, you don't. I don't either. So I don't want to be like that, and you don't either. Here's some inspirational words from 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, if you know anything at all about 1 Corinthians, think back to the last time you read it. might be a little hazy in your head, but if you do, if you've read it often enough or read enough of it, to remember what's unique about this book, you'll remember that this is a list of serious spiritual breakdowns and issues in this congregation, which is in central Greece, kind of the hinge between the two pieces of Greece, right? The narrow soda straw that hooks the two pieces of Greece together. And Corinth sits right on top of it, a prosperous, booming city, flourishing because of trade in the Roman Empire at this time. And yet, the congregation, which should have so much going for it, in many ways was a basket case of dysfunction. Cliques and factions, getting drunk at their communion celebrations, uh, and a, a whole bunch of mental dysfunctions all over the place. And yet, in spite of the fact that they needed a spiritual tune-up, which is what 1 Corinthians really is, here's how Paul begins the letter. Have you got a Bible near you? Open it up to 1 Corinthians 1, verse 4. Paul says, I always thank God for you. So my first thought when I think of you is thankfulness. I'm proud of knowing you. I'm proud of the congregation that I was part of planting there. Why? Because of God's grace given you in Christ Jesus. So interesting that he doesn't say, I thank God because of his grace given you. He says, I thank God for you because grace is always moving and lands on something. Grace is kinetic. It goes from here to here. Grace is God's decision to like and even love sinful rebels for no reason of their own, for reasons exclusively of his own, Grace is 100% God's decision. It's not based on you. Now, you might think, well, that's kind of insulting or disappointing. Ain't I cute? Like, don't I have some good features? Like, God, once in a while, I try to do your will. Don't I get points for that? God, don't I have points with you for this and that that I did? Get rid of that. That is trash thinking. Forget trying to justify yourself. Your relationship with God begins with grace, which is a decision in his brain from all eternity, even before you had ever committed your first sin. He determined your identity and decided to love you from all eternity. It is all his doing. Just love him back for that. And the great thing is, you might think, isn't that kind of insulting? Because I don't, I can't, 
It's not a points game. No, it's not insulting. It's relieving. It takes all the pressure off you. It also means you can stop blaming yourself if there are things in your life that are unraveling and whose life does not go through unraveling. We all got to take a bite out of that sandwich, don't we? Sometimes multiple times. What's the unraveling in your life? It means we're spared the painful mental exploration of tracing it back to messes we've made and saying, well, I guess I'm getting punished for this. Like, what's God trying to tell me about beating, busting my chops over this? Like, what have I done? No. <laughs> he goes first and loves you unconditionally. God's grace is his gift to you. Just shut up and take it. Don't try to justify it or look for reasons in yourself. There aren't any. Just embrace it. And he now calls you his children, as holy as Christ himself. That is what grace is. And the Holy Spirit helps you believe it. It's a mountaintop experience that on Calvary's mountain, the Son of God, who took on human flesh, was crucified in your place and bled to death so you don't have to. And in this way, gives you that wonderful trifecta of forgiveness, a tailwind of favor, and immortality. Just claim those things and embrace them. Christ is the reason. Secondly, in him you've been enriched in every way. Do you say that very often? Do you, do, can you say with a straight face that I am rich? Probably not. You're probably more likely feeling kind of resentful that you don't have very much. You might be sweating and saying, there's no possible way I can retire on this chicken feed. How am I ever going to get to the point where I can quit working? You might say, I had grand ideas of saving up for retirement, but those health issues that we've had in our family have drained away my resources. We're running on fumes. No, I don't feel rich at all. Of course not, because the evil one is whispering to you every day that you've been cheated and that you deserve better and to try to get you angry at your situation in life instead of taking inventory of the blessings you have, the incredible and wonderful people that God has allowed you to have as friends, the support and help you've gotten from your family, which we tend to take for granted, thinking that should be on autopilot. That's just a given. No, it's not a given except that it's been given to you by God. Celebrate that. Think of what, what resources and strength we have gotten from other people around us, and thank God for that. Thank him for finding you. You're a Christian not because you're such a genius. You're a Christian because God found you and loves you and connected with you in your heart. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I am rich. In all your speaking and all your knowledge, what? These are brand new Christians, and Paul says you are ready to become teachers of the faith. I'm counting on you to be distributors of the knowledge of salvation. Remember, the gospel is not only given to you, but it's intended to pass through you as you share it with somebody else. Our testimony about Christ was confirmed in you, like you are proof that the word of God works because we 
It didn't just land with a thud in your hearts, but the fact that you are now enthusiastically sharing the gospel, doing evangelism, and doing some teaching is proof uh, that uh, our testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. You don't lack any spiritual gift. You are gifted people. Don't say, I'm nobody. Don't say, I'm a nothing. You have gifts to give. Every one of you, and I, I lay this on you too, one of the things that causes depression in people to hate their lives is they think, I got nothing. Nobody needs me or wants me. I have nothing to contribute. I'm empty. I'm just an empty vessel. Not true. That's the evil one talking to you again. Every one of you has got one or more superpowers that you are uniquely good at. Listen to the people around you. If you ask the people around you, in case you're having trouble identifying your superpowers, they will help you get it. You are gifted. Say to yourself, I am gifted. I'm enriched. I, um, I have words and speaking to share. I'm gifted. He will keep you strong to the end. The Lord is giving me his strength. It's, it's a struggle, isn't it? We're, all, we're on a military march right now. The Bible calls this the church militant. We are the church at war. We will not be at peace until we're in heaven. But don't panic, for the Lord shares his strength so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. Man, look at your life and say, I am blameless. And you're going to say, how how is this possible? This is the paradox again. Remember, get your arms around both those ideas. Don't pick one or the other, or you're going to twist it into a false teaching. Humbly admit your sins, hang your head, and say, it is on me, dear Lord. Have mercy on me. But then with the other arm, grab onto your Savior and say, you did have mercy on me. And therefore, mercy trumps judgment. And instead of blameful, I am now blameless. Celebrate your status. That relief of guilt will take such a heavy weight off your back. And that means if Jesus likes you, you can like yourself. If Jesus accepts you, you can accept yourself. I think that's a big deal. So many of you are struggling with a low self-image, thinking of yourself as, as throwaway, as worthless. And Jesus thinks you are worthful and can't wait to invite you into the heaven. Can't wait to show you the world he's been buffing and preparing for you because you are blameless by being connected to Christ. It's truly all or nothing. God has called you into fellowship. He not only set this all up for you, but he went after you, found you wherever you were in your journey of life. And at some point in your life, either as an infant or a kid or a teenager or a young adult, or maybe even in the summer or autumn of your life, has found you and got a hold of you so that he could be in fellowship with you. That means like this, for he desires for you nothing more importantly than this, to be close to you, to enjoy you, and to live forever with you. Celebrate that. I am somebody. God loves me and accepts me. Maybe I can accept myself. 
This fellowship is all through his son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and he is faithful. That means he's not going to be like your earthly friends. He will never quit on you and is there for you when you need him. Call on him. All right, so so let's kind of bundle this together. Some action steps. What needs to be a little different? All right, the first thing I'm going to challenge you to do is also a little counterintuitive. You might be thinking, man, I could really stand for somebody to kind of build me up today. It's one of the riddles of life with Christ that in order to get what you're hungry for, you can create the culture first by giving it. Isn't that funny? Now, this is not your relationship with God, but say with each other, if you wish there would be more positive talk in your household, help build that culture by starting yourself and looking at the people around you and juicing up the number of words of praise and compliments that you say. Have any of you ever read the book, The Five Love Languages? Raise your hand if you did, or if, or if you know about the basic concept. Uh, it looks like a few of you have, maybe somewhere between 5 and 10% of you. There are a lot of different ways to communicate your love for another human being. And according to this author, and I tend to agree, one of the most important, and if, if you ask people, they will often sign up for this, one of the most important ways to communicate love is words of affirmation. And it's amazing to me how we starve each other for attaboys and girls. So many of us are running on fumes, feeling like failures. And it's because one of two things is happening. Either the people around us are not verbally giving us any encouragement, or they're telling us, but we're not listening. See, that's, that's a twin evil. Not only do we need all to speak more of it, we need to believe it when people say it. I can see that in myself sometimes, and I'll out myself right here. Sometimes people will say, oh, cool outfit, and I'll say, well, these old rags, I've had it for 12 years. I'm trying to be humble, but what I'm doing is, is I'm basically saying you're wasting your breath. Like, I don't feel well-dressed today. I just got some, I got, these are my old clothes I got on today. Why don't, I just, why don't I just say thank you and smile and allow myself to feel well-dressed for that moment? Or if somebody says, um, that was a great song that Distinctively Different sang today, don't tell each other only, tell them. Tell the singers. If you thought that the music was fabulous today, go seek them out and say it. And then, musicians, when they say to you, loved your music today, don't say, yeah, it could have been better. Or, yeah, I, I messed up in measure 32. That, that's, see, that's how we talk. Yeah, I messed up in measure 32. Yeah, if we had only two more practices, I think I'd have nailed her. Stop that. Stop, stop, stop. Just say thanks. If somebody says, oh, you made some great food today, loved your soup, don't say, nah, too salty. And, and I go through that all the time. You know, I, I say, They'll say, oh, it was too salty. And I say, you know, until you said that, I thought I enjoyed it. Now that you mention it, your soup really sucked. <laughs> Don't talk like that. That's not humility. That's self-hatred. Stop it. Stop it. If somebody says, I really love the soup, just beam. Make the sun come out of your face and say thanks. 
It really is good, isn't it? Thank you. I love to cook for you. Isn't that a game changer? When you see, when somebody did something well, don't assume you're getting manipulated. Just welcome it. But then also contribute to a culture of affirmation by looking around for things to praise. See, it's a self-fulfilling death trap, a rat hole, a, a deep, dark, evil hole that will suck you into it. If you assume something miserable is going to happen to me but today, I, got, I am the most unlucky person in life. Nothing's working for me. I'm, I'm doomed. I am destined. I got bad karma. It's like an old, ugly cloud hanging over my head. Whatever I touch turns to lead. If you are looking for disasters and stuff to break down, you will find them every day. Is that not true? Something's going to go south every day. And then that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. See, I told you I'm doomed. If it wasn't for bad luck, wouldn't have no luck at all. On the other hand, if you choose to see if you can spot God in action, sending you stuff, making things happen for you, making your life a little better, sending you some treats. If you look for those, assuming you will find them, you will. And it may dawn on you how blessed and rich you really are. So here I'm going to risk you ratting me out for a false doctrine that somehow I am encouraging all of you to become proud and arrogant jerks. I'm going to actually invite you to cultivate a humble spirit simultaneously deciding to like yourself. Can you do the, those two things at the same time? It's a, bit of, it's a bit of a trick, but you can do this. And I'm going to invite you to treat yourself the same way that Jesus has chosen to treat you. He, he likes you. Let me hear you practice. I want to hear you say, I like my life. life. You're wanting to laugh? Have you ever said that before? I like my life. I want to hear you say, my life is good. Is it really? Have you said that to the people you live with? Or have they heard mostly streams of complaining pouring out of you? My life is good. I have, there's good stuff in my life. Try this. Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me. If Jesus loves me, I can love myself. If Jesus loves me, I can love myself. Do you believe that? I hope you do. I hope you do. Amen. This message was a production of St. Marcus Lutheran Church. For similar content, subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or our YouTube channel. For more information about how to support our urban gospel ministry in Milwaukee, please visit stmarcus.org.